Welcome, church, to the first Sunday in Advent. And I can't believe that we are already here. It's Advent season. And yet, I am so grateful that we are in this season, the season of Advent, because I can't think of a better thing for us now in our current circumstances than Advent. We need God to come. We, we as a nation, we as a people, all of humanity around the world needs God to advent among us again today. To advent simply means to arrive, to dawn, that we need God to come and arrive, to come and be with us in a tangible, real way in the midst of our current circumstances. I'm so glad that it's Advent. And in this Advent season, as Pastor Drew has already shared with you, we are exploring different themes. And in order to get at these different themes, we're uh, using songs, Christmas carols, songs that we love, songs that we relate with to convey a truth. But more than just simply conveying a truth, we are hoping to convey a feeling, a feeling that is of warmth, of, of family, of, of friendship, that as we hear these songs, that they would invoke in us memories. They'd invoke in us hope. That's what we're going to be exploring today, that theme of hope. And we're using the song from Charles Wesley, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Now, Charles Wesley is the brother of John Wesley, and he wrote this song in 1744. Think about that, 1744. Charles Wesley, as he looked around in his neighborhood in Great Britain, he saw that there were children without families. He saw that there were families without homes. He saw that his society was greatly divided. And from that place, he chose to write these words. In fact, it started as a prayer. Let me read this prayer to you. It was originally published in this way, saying, born your people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever. Now your gracious kingdom bring. By your own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By your all-sufficient merit, raise us to your glorious throne. Amen. So we're going to be exploring this song today. We're going to be gathering around a piano or around a guitar, or maybe you gather around your stereo. Imagine you're with friends and with family, with, with neighbors, and there's joy in the home. There's singing. There's a sense of warmth, a sense of community a sense of longing and anticipation of this hope. Let's sing this song together.
I'm in need of hope. I'm in need of real hope where there would be grace in the midst of conflict. I'm in need of reconciliation in the midst of division. I'm in need of real hope. And yet I find myself oftentimes wishing. You know, I wish people would be more gracious when there would be conflict. I wish that people would reconcile when there's division. I wish for a Merry Christmas. We say these things. I say these things. I tend to wish, but what I need in this season is not another Christmas wish. What I need is an advent of hope. I need hope. How about you? What are you in need of hope regarding your current circumstances? Do you find yourself hoping? Do you find yourself simply wishing? We all need hope this Advent season. Many of us are in despair. Many of us are experiencing anxiety and worry and fear and broken relationships and dysfunctional families. We find ourselves in this deep sense of darkness and and despair. And if that's not you, then you know someone who is in that place. We're either there or we're caring for someone who is experiencing this hopelessness. We're all in need of hope. And despite all of our brokenness, despite of all of our failures, we need to remember that God is with us in the midst of our current circumstances. That God has entered in. That God is present. That God understands what you and I, what we are actually going through right in this moment. As Christians, we are called to be a people of hope, to allow our lives to be informed and to be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. The world we live in, our neighbors, our coworkers, and let's be honest, as Christians, we need this too. We all desperately need the hope of God to come to advent again in us this Advent season. As we explore this song, we're going to break it down a little bit. So I'm going to invite Jameson at this time. He's going to sing for us the first stanza. So listen to Jameson as we sing. ourselves in a a time of waiting. And yet not all waiting is filled with expectation. 
Some of us may find ourselves more like we're in a holding pattern. We're, we're flying around. We're, we're looking for somewhere to land our fears. We're looking for a runway where our anxieties can rest. And yet this song is not a song about waiting. It's a song about expectation, of anticipation. See, we're not simply wishing that we could land our worries and finally be able to park our fears. The people of Israel were longing for a day. They were longing to be filled with this hope. There was an expectation and anticipation of God adventing among them. The way in which you might hear whether or not you are wishing or hoping. If you're wishing, you would hear something like, well, one, I wish someone would, or I wish I could. But a hope is, is very different. Hope is something like, I believe God will show up. And that's what Israel believed. They believed God will show up. There was a long expectation and expressed desire for something that is possible, something that is very likely to happen. You hear this in the book of Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42 verses one through four says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will cry, he will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. See, for centuries, the Israelites were waiting, they were longing, they were expecting the Messiah to come, to bring about justice, to set the people free. For the early church, their long await, their long waiting actually had arrived. They saw this Messiah, this, this person that they were longing for, that, that this Messiah had advented in the person of Jesus. And we hear this in the book of Matthew chapter 12. In fact, in the book of Matthew chapter 12, there's a story that's told, a story where Jesus is in the synagogue. It was his usual practice every week to go to the synagogue. And here he is, he's teaching in the synagogue and up comes a man, approaches Jesus with a withered hand. And in this synagogue, there were some local leaders that were trying to accuse Jesus. They were trying to trap him. They're trying to catch him. And here's a man with a withered hand and here's Jesus teaching. And they asked Jesus a question. The question was this, is it lawful Jesus to save on the Sabbath? Another way to say it is Jesus, is it right to do right on the Sabbath? Is it just to do justice on the Sabbath? And Jesus doesn't respond to their question with an answer. He responds to their question with another question. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 11. He says, suppose one of you has only one sheep 
and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And so Jesus, seeing the man with the withered hand, he sees him as a sheep, a sheep who's fallen into the pit of despair. And what does Jesus do? He grabs hold of him and he pulls him out. And through the healing of this man's hand, he offers hope to the hopeless. And it's from this very scene, from this very story that the New Testament writers, the early church, attribute this long-awaited Messiah to the person of Jesus Christ. Listen to how they compare Jesus to the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 15b through 21, it says, Many crowds followed him, meaning Jesus, and he cured all of them. And he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not wrangle or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. The the long-awaited Messiah, the one who so intimately identified with God's people, the one who gives the nations hope. Matthew identifies this one as Jesus. And when we hope in this Jesus, when we place our faith and trust in this Jesus, we become united with him in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. Hebrews 11.1 reminds us that faith, when we place our faith in Jesus, we are placing our confidence in Christ. Confidence in things hoped for, believing in and things not yet seen. It is through the hope that we place in Jesus Christ that we experience the release of all our fears, that we experience the forgiveness of all our sins. And it's in Jesus that we place our hope, and it's through Jesus that we find our rest. See, the truth is, hope might actually surprise us. It might surprise us in our moment. And yet that hope was built over time. In the same way, hopelessness might come over us. It might overwhelm us in a moment. And yet that hopelessness was formed over time. The truth about our hope is that our hope in Jesus Christ is founded. It is grounded in a long history of God's faithfulness. Our hope has a history. There is a reason for our hope. Not only does our hope have a history, but our hope has a heart. What do I mean by that? Well, listen to the next stanza in the song and we'll come back to this in a moment.
strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Israel's strength and consolation, joy of every longing heart. I can't think of two more timely words that we need right now than strength and consolation. Jesus is our strength, and yet we find ourselves to be a weary people. For many of us, we are burned out. We are tired. I hear that we are exhausted. I feel at times overwhelmed and and exhausted myself. And yet Jesus, this song reminds us that we are a people who place our trust in Jesus and that we are not to be a people who wish, we're not just simply wishing that our weariness would somehow go away. No, we are hoping. We are hoping that God would enter into our current circumstances, that God would give us strength. Another word for strength is to encourage. It's it's a French word that that comes from uh, this idea to put in heart, to give heart. I need God to give me heart. I need God to encourage me, to strengthen me. So maybe you're tired, maybe you're drained, maybe you're exhausted. And yet we can't wish our weariness away. We need hope. We need hope to give us heart. We need Jesus to give us strength. We need our tired selves to be renewed, our our weakness to be made strong. We need our feelings of being overwhelmed. We need those feelings to be overcome. We need strength that is found in Christ alone. When we hold on to hope in Jesus, when we hold on to hope in Jesus, we will be unshakable. We will be assured. We will be deeply at peace. This doesn't mean that we won't have troubles. It's not what I'm saying. In this world, we will have troubles. It's promised to us. This is something that we can all expect Troubles is not something new to humanity. We will have troubles, but scripture says, take heart. Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. We can hope because Christ has overcome the world. The apostle Paul says it this way in Romans chapter five, verses one through five. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God to the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Why? Apostle Paul says, because God's 
love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Hope is not void of suffering. We hope in the midst of our suffering. We allow our suffering to do a good work of hope in us. Your suffering can produce endurance. Your your endurance can produce character. Your character can produce hope. There's a process. There is a history. There is, uh, this doesn't just automatically manifest itself. The suffering that you are currently experiencing, if you bypass the opportunity for it to develop character, then no, it will not produce hope. It will produce hopelessness. But in the process, if we allow the Holy Spirit to do the Holy Spirit's work, that in our suffering, we allow it to do that work of endurance, that long suffering. And in that long suffering, we allow that to shape us and to mold our character. That in that process, our character can produce hope. We hope. Why? Because we know that God loves us, that God meets with us, that God enters in with us in the midst of our suffering. The second word we so desperately need right now is consolation. Consolation. See, strength doesn't mean that we can't show weakness. Strength doesn't mean that we can't feel our feelings. If everything must be fine, if, if we have to pretend like everything is okay, if we have to hold it all together for everyone else in our lives, then we will never have need for consolation. And yet we desperately need the consolation of God. Eugene Peterson says it this way in his message translation. He says, all praise to God and and Father of our Messiah, Jesus, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come while following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. I know many of you, I know many of your stories. I I hear stories of great pain, of great loss, of great suffering. Many of you are anticipating or recovering from surgery. You're anticipating or going through chemotherapy. You're either experiencing or caring for someone who has COVID. You are going through great suffering in this season. I know people who are caring for spouses who are in the midst of grief. I know people who are caring for their spouse who are trying to care for their ailing parents. And all of this, we all try to keep ourselves together. We try to hold it together as if if we allowed our feelings to come out that people wouldn't be able to handle it, that they couldn't hold it, that we are too much 
for everyone else. And yet God says, God wants to give us Christ's comfort. In order to experience the comfort of God, we have to be able to share what's really going on inside us. We need God's consolation. See, strength doesn't mean that you don't feel sorrow. Strength doesn't mean that you don't show emotion. Strength means that in your sorrow and in your emotion and in your suffering, that we anticipate, that we expect God's healing comfort, that we have a heart, that we're given a heart of hope. So not only do we hope in a God who comes alongside us, but we hope in a God who is intimately a familiar, who, who intimately identifies with us. Hope has humanity. Listen to this third stanza as we sing together. forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Born to deliver, born a child and a king, born to reign in us. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. We find this truth that is sung in this song. It's, it's found in the book of Luke. I love the book of Luke, especially around Christmas time. It's a family tradition of mine that we would open up the book of Luke and read the Christmas story. And here in Luke chapter one, verses 26 through 33, we hear of this Advent hope. It says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. It's as if the angel, this, this messenger of good news, is broadcasting this news across the land. Mary, you are to deliver the deliverer. You're about to give birth to hope. 
This wasn't a hallmark greeting. This wasn't a holiday wish. This was a herald of hope. And in this season, I don't think we need another Christmas wish. I know I don't. What I need and what we need is harbingers of hope. We need hope to be born. We need hope to become human. And all of humanity is in need of this hope. So what about Jesus actually brings me hope? What about Jesus actually brings you hope today? One thing I love about hope coming in the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus being human, is that Jesus can relate with my experiences. Jesus can relate with my circumstances. Jesus enters in and understands. Jesus relates, in fact, with our greatest joys, our mountaintop experiences, our highest sense of accomplishments. We hear this in in Matthew chapter 17, verses one and two. Jesus is with his closest friends, three of his closest friends, and he goes onto this mountain and listen to this story. It says, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And and he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them and, and from the cloud, a voice said this, this is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. I love this about Jesus is that Jesus can relate with our high moments. Jesus can relate with the high points in life. In other, you know, in times where our friends might fall short, our friends might find themselves somehow judging our experience. They might be jealous or envious or competitive. And yet Jesus understands this. And in our high points, in, in our mountaintop experiences, Jesus celebrates with us. You can almost, it's as if you can hear his voice speaking over us. Well done, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. That gives me hope that in the midst of success, in the midst of joys, in the midst of of life transitions that are exciting, that, that although there might be people that struggle to enter into that circumstance with me, I know that God can enter into that with me. And that gives me hope. And yet we serve a God who doesn't just enter in to the highest points of our lives. He doesn't just say, hey, church, I I will relate with you only when things are good or when you're feeling happy or when you're feeling joy. No, God says, I'm going to be intimately connected to you in the midst of your deepest sorrow. And we see this also in, in the story of Jesus. Jesus understands what it means for us to experience deep grief. In fact, Jesus takes his, the same three friends, the same three friends that he took to the mountaintop, he takes them into a garden. And you know this story, Jesus goes into the garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 38. He says, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, the same three guys that he took to the mountaintop. He's now taking into the valley, into the garden. And he began, listen to this, 
Jesus began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. I am so glad that this passage is in scripture. I'm so comforted by the reality that Jesus has experienced what it means to be grieving, what it means to be agitated. Some translations say that Jesus, this God in the flesh, this fully human and fully God, Jesus, it says that Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point that I could die. There are times where we might feel that way. And yet Jesus felt that way in this moment. I have hope because Jesus knows humanity. Hope has come to us. Hope meets with us in the person of Jesus. God has experienced and understands all that it means to be human. Jesus not only knows the highest mountaintops, but he understands and enters in with us in the the deepest, darkest valleys. As people, we might find ourselves grieving, wishing that someone could understand what we were going through. We might find ourselves overwhelmed, wishing that someone would enter into this experience with us. Yet as Christians, we are not to be a wishing people. We are a hopeful people. We are a people of hope who says, God understands what I'm going through. God is with me in my current circumstances. Can you say that, church? Are you a person of hope that you say, God understands me? God is with me. Are you holding on to hope? See, we hold this hope because hope became human. God in human form. God didn't show up as Thor or Thanos. He didn't show up as Shira or Shiva. Of all the ways that God showed up, I mean, he didn't stay distant and removed or or unrelatable and unavailable. Of all the ways that God could have shown up to us, to advent among us, he shows up as a person. He shows up with humanity. Hope is flesh and blood. Hope has moved into the neighborhood. Hope is a person and hope has a name. I wonder, do you know this hope who has a name? Do you anticipate? Are you waiting with expectation on this one who has a name? The name that is above every name, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the mighty counselor, the Prince of Peace. Do you know this hope who has a name? Are you waiting with anticipation? Are you expecting this hope who has a name? The one who has a name, who was born of a child, who lived as a servant, who was broken as a sacrifice, who was given as a gift. Do you know his name? Are you anticipating? Are you expecting 
this one who has a name. See, for those of us who know this hope, who know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, let's be people of hope, not people of Christmas wishes. We, like the angel, are to be heralds of hope. We deliver good news of the deliverer. Like Mary, we give birth to hope. Hope comes alive in us. Charles Spurgeon has this beautiful poem and he says it in such a beautiful way. I want to read it to you. Lean in, in this moment. Don't miss it. Listen to the words of Charles Spurgeon. Why yield to the anticipation of gloom? Who told you that the night would never end in day? Who told you that the sea of circumstances would ebb out till there should be nothing left but long leagues of the mud of horrible poverty? Who told you that the winter of your discontent would proceed from frost to frost, from snow and ice and hail to deeper snow and yet more heavy tempest of despair? Do you not know that day follows night, that flood comes after ebb, that spring and summer succeed winter? You must hope then. You must hope always for God does not fail you. Do you not know that God loves you in the midst of all of this? Mountains, when hidden in darkness, are as real as in the day. And God's love is as true for you now as it was in your brightest moments. Hope knows that day follows night, but we forget. We spend so much of our time looking at the sun going down that we forget that the sun rises out of darkness. When was the last time that you waited in anticipation for the sun to come alive, to arise, to light up the darkness. We gotta wake up, church. We gotta anticipate because the sun has come. Hope has come. Hope isn't off in the horizon. Hope is here. Even when things seem dark, even when things seem overwhelming, even when all seems lost, we must remember that God is in the midst of all of this. God has not and cannot and will not fail us. God's love is never ending. God's love knows no bounds. God's love knows no circumstances. My prayer for you is that you would anticipate this one who is hope, Jesus, that you would anticipate his advent in your life today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that hope might overflow through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, our long-awaited hope has come. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we can hold on to hope because you 
are the one who is hope. You are faithful. Your love never fails. You enter in, you understand. You give strength, you give consolation. Lord God, you alone are our hope. May you advent again in us this season. Lord, come alive in us. May your hope come alive in us again.